Well, good morning. I'm so glad to be here. Happy Mother's Day again to all the moms. I was just looking at that and my picture of my wife and our kids didn't make it because she's out of town. And of course, if a mom's not here to do it, it doesn't get done. Isn't that how it is? But today we're going to continue on in our series uh, about recommended playlists where we've been looking at different psalms uh, in the book of the Bible uh, to help us with different types of situations that we're, we're dealing with. And today we're going to be talking about overwhelmed. On the back of your bulletin, you'll see, here's the recommended playlist for that. These are like songs that you would put on your playlist that will help you and deal with a certain topic. And today we're going to be looking at overwhelmed. And you might know the power of a playlist. Just a couple of months ago, I saw the power of a playlist in my own life where I was out exercising. I know you probably are saying you could do some more. But I was out exercising and I was running these trails and I had my playlist going, you know, my 80s playlist. You just got Eye of the Tiger, you know, because you got to work out. You got to do all that kind of stuff, pump yourself up. So it transports you from out of that situation, like, I hate doing this, but the music helps me to do it. And I got so caught up in, my, in the music, I was singing out loud, which was fine until the man came and passed me afterwards. You're like, oh my gosh, nobody should hear me singing out loud. And so but that's what these recommended playlists can do. They can transport you from what's going on around you to something else. And that's what we want. Sometimes we get so focused on our situations that we need to be transported into God's presence. The one who helps us with that. And so today we're going to be talking about overwhelmed. And being overwhelmed is something that we can all relate to. And it's really not a hard tie-in for moms, is it? I tell you what, I, I found this post on Facebook by Sarah Buckley Friedberg. And you can see... This was like over two weeks ago. She had 18,000 comments and 71,000 shares. So to say that she hit a nerve or people were connecting with it would be an understatement. And this is what she wrote in this post about what society says to moms, especially those who are working. She says, you know, they say, go back to work six to eight, six to eight weeks after having the baby, you know, the baby that you spent nine to ten months growing inside of your body and just trying to get to know, then rush back to work and show the world that women can do it all, rise to the top of your career. Then she says things about breastfeeding, but I'm going to skip that because I don't understand all that. But she says, I got to lose the baby weight and get back in shape as quickly and as gracefully as possible. So I got to get up at 5 a.m. and work out unless I want to do it after the kids go to bed because I'll need to clean the house and I need to get life ready for the next day, you know, and then sleep. Got to maintain a clean, Pinterest-worthy house. I also got to be the finder of all lost things, the moderator of fights. I got to be fun. I got to be firm. I got to read books. I got to have dance parties. She must have girls in the family. I don't know. Uh, maintain the schedule for the entire family. Ensure the kids are learning to swim, play an instrument, ride, ride a, or read, write a book, be a good human being, eat vegetables, wear sunscreen, drink enough water, say please and thank you. She goes on and on. Also, remember the dog you got before you had kids. She's getting old now. She needs expensive surgery. She also needs to be walked. She needs a new bed, and she smells pretty bad. Hey, kids need a lot of doctor's appointments. Monthly as babies, and then every time they get sick, and then specialist appointments, and all the stuff that you have to go through to get that. And then there's parents' night, and going back to school night, and then volunteering night. She goes, you should go on vacation, though, because it's good to relax and unwind from work, because it makes you a better employee. And then don't forget the kids need healthy meals, and so do you, because you're trying to lose 20 pounds before swimsuit season, right? And that requires meal planning, grocery shopping, meal prep on the weekend. 
but then you also have to hang out with your kids on the weekend since during the week you only get to hang out with them when they're exhausted and angry that you made the wrong kind of spaghetti dinner that you meal prep for. Oh, date your spouse. It's important to keep your relationship alive and fresh. Try, try to go out one to two times a month. That's good, kid-free time. Hire a babysitter, no matter the fact they charge $22 an hour, so you're going to have to take out an extra mortgage and work another job just to be able to afford this. Oh, hey, you should have a hobby, too. It's important to have you time. And then make sure you have friends, because social time is so important. Surely there's an hour or two left in the week after all the working, appointments, exercising, cooking, scheduling, cleaning, imparting lifelong morals, and learning on the kids. You know, the usual. And then she says, and by the way, you've got to make sure you look good. Don't just go out the house wearing yoga pants and putting your hair up in a bun, or someone's going to make a judgment statement on you about how you don't have your life together. And she goes on and on. And I tell you what, I'm just exhausted reading that. And so many of you moms feel, yeah, that's how it is. Can I get an amen? Is that true? For? And, you know, we just don't have a clue. But, you know, we all get overwhelmed. Moms are not the only people who get overwhelmed. We get overwhelmed. We get overwhelmed by our uh, responsibilities and our schedules. We get overwhelmed by our goals. We get overwhelmed by our dreams. We get overwhelmed by uh, obstacles and difficult relationships. We get overwhelmed by mental health issues and physical health issues. We get overwhelmed by sin and guilt and fear. We get overwhelmed by temptations. I could go on and on. And that's why I want you to see none of us is immune from being overwhelmed. In fact, that's my first point, letter A. No one is immune from being overwhelmed. And so today, what I want to do is I want to take time to look at this psalm, Psalm 142, and how do we deal with times of being overwhelmed? I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to ask us to read Psalm 142. Father, thank you so much for this day. I pray that you'll move me out of the way and that you'll speak to me, or through me, to us, because we understand what it's like to be overwhelmed, but we need you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is David. This is a prayer that David wrote while he was hiding out in a cave because he was being tracked down by Saul, by 3,000 men who were trying to, uh, to capture David and to kill him because he's been perceived as a threat to Saul's throne. And so David is hiding out in a cave, and he's caught. He's trapped. Saul is there. 3,000 men are there, and David feels all alone. And this is what he prays. He says, I cry out to the Lord. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints before him and tell him all my troubles. When I am overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. Whenever I go, wherever I go, my enemies have set traps for me. I look for someone to come and help me, but no one gives me a passing thought. No one will help me. No one cares a bit what happens to me. Then I pray to you. O Lord, I say, you are my refuge. You are all I really want in life. Hear my cry, for I am very low. Rescue me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison so I can thank you. The godly will crown around me, for you are good to me. Amen. And as we read that and we think about that, again, I want us to see that no one is immune from being overwhelmed. Look what David wrote at the beginning of of Psalm 142, verse 3. He says, when I am overwhelmed. Not if I am overwhelmed, but when I am overwhelmed. And you have to understand who this is, because a lot of times 
We, we get it backwards because we think, if I'm doing what God wants me to do, then I shouldn't be overwhelmed. That's why we get so frustrated with these overwhelming, difficult situations because we think, God, where are you? I'm doing my part. Why aren't you doing your part? And we can get that way. And think about David. Here he is. He's hiding. All he's done, David was anointed to be king when he was 15 years old. He didn't go seeking it. God found him, said, you're a man after my own heart. I'm going to place you on the throne. And then what he did after that is he became a hero, a giant slayer. This is a man after God's own heart. And here he is still just doing what God's calling him to do, and he's feeling overwhelmed. See, we have to, we have to take that lie from ourselves that if I'm doing what God wants me to do, that I'm not going to be overwhelmed. Some of you are doing exactly what God wants you to do, and you're still feeling overwhelmed. And you just need to know that you're not alone. Jesus was also overwhelmed. Can you believe that? Again, we think of Jesus. Here's the Son of God. What could ever happen to him? He's above all this. He's God. Nothing affects him like that. But listen to what Jesus says because he lived as a man on this earth and he can identify with everything you and I go through. So when we are overwhelmed, he knows exactly what it is. But in fact, he even knows more about being overwhelmed than we could ever imagine. Listen to Jesus' experience on the night that he went to the Garden of Gethsemane before he was crucified. He said he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief. Can you hear it? He is overwhelmed with what's going on around him. He says, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And one of the things that he does when he's overwhelmed is something that we should do is that we should find other people to be with us and we should keep watch. That means to pray. We should keep our eyes focused on him. To look for him in the midst of being overwhelmed. And Jesus was overwhelmed and that's what he did. But you know what? He also told us so we wouldn't be surprised. David was overwhelmed. Jesus was overwhelmed. Guess what? You are going to be overwhelmed. If it's not now, it will be. And I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just doing the same thing Jesus said. He wanted us to be prepared for it. Listen to what Jesus says in John uh, chapter 16, verse 33. He says, I've told you all of this so you may have peace in me. See, part of our problem is we try and find peace in our circumstances. We want peace in the midst of it. Your peace is not what's going around you. Your peace is in him. That's why we need to look for him and to cry out to him. And he says... You'll have peace in me here on earth. You will have, not might have, could have. You will have many trials and sorrows. And if that was the end of the verse, that'd be one of the most horrible things ever. But it's not. He says, but take heart because I have overcome the world. No matter what you're going through, what is overwhelming you, it is nothing compared to the God who is with you. And today, maybe that's what some of you need. Maybe some of you just need to, some encouragement to know, hey, I'm not alone in this. I'm not the only one who goes through this. We all are overwhelmed. But our hope is not just having that situation removed. Our hope is in the one who is with us. Can I get an amen? So let's look at the next point. Being, letter B, being overwhelmed can be a time of despair or a glorious opportunity. And I know y'all are saying, well, you don't know what the heck I'm going through. Because there is nothing about a glorious opportunity in what I'm struggling with and what I'm being overwhelmed with. 
and I, I, I can understand that. But I want you to know that God does want to do something in your midst that's even more than what you could imagine. In fact, there's the story of Jesus when he raised Lazarus from the dead. And I just want to read a couple, two verses from that um, to help us understand this. In John 11, verse 4 and 40, this is from the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. He says this. He says, no, it happened. He's talking about Lazarus is dying. He said, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. And then a little later, Martha and Mary, they didn't understand why this happened. And they're like, God, if you'd have done something, if you'd have shown up, because that's how we get when we get disappointed with God. Because we pray and we expect when we pray, God, do something, show up, change. Do you know that when Jesus got the message from Mary and Martha that Lazarus was sick and dying to come, he waited two days before he even went. And you're thinking... What is that? Does he not care? Is he not willing? That's not the issue at all. He had a greater purpose and plan than what they could have ever imagined. I want you to understand, in your life, you look and you get overwhelmed. You're going, I'm praying, I'm calling out. God, you're not responding to what I want, when I want, how I want. Is it because you don't care? Are you ignoring me? What if, I was to tell you, none of that is true. What if it is he loves you more than you could ever imagine? But what if he's waiting to do something more than you could ever imagine? Because he wants this to be a glorious opportunity where he'll get glory and also where he goes on to say, and didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? Maybe that's what this is all about. Maybe you need a taste of God's glory in the midst of your pit of despair, feeling of being overwhelmed. And so David wrote this psalm to help us to understand that. And I want you to know that when you focus on your situation that's overwhelming, it'll feel like a time of despair. And I know how you'll feel because David says how we'll feel. And when you read it, you go, that's exactly how I feel when I'm overwhelmed. Look at what he says. When we are, in point one, it says, when we are overwhelmed, we feel uncertain and alone. And what I want to call you to on this is this. It's not about how you feel. Life as a Christian is not about how you feel. And when you get in those difficult places, I know because I've been there. And you know because you've been there. You feel alone. And you feel uncertain. David understood that. Listen to what he says. Psalm 142.3 When I am overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. Wherever I go, my enemies have set traps before me. Because he knows what it feels like to be uncertain. I mean, he's writing this. He's in a cave. You ever been in a cave? You know how dark it is? You, don't, you can't see anything except the entrance or the exit. It's the same one. And in this situation, David's out there. But Saul and his armies of 3,000 trained, his best of his best are out there seeking to kill David. And he's looking. And the only way I know to get out, that's blocked. And I can't see anything else. I don't know where else to turn. I don't know what else to do. He felt uncertain. And then he goes, even if I can get out there, because they disappear, they know I'm in here. They're setting traps for me. Because you know what thing about traps? Traps aren't just laid out there in the open. 
And so you begin to feel uncertain because you're like, I've done this, I've done this, I've tried this, nothing is working. And then you get to a place where if none of those things work, you're not confident to try anything else. And you feel like, and it's only going to be worse because there's other things out there that I don't know and I don't see, and it's going to get me anyways. That's how you feel when you get to a place of despair and overwhelmed. You feel uncertain, but you also feel alone. And that's one of the things, being in a cave and being in darkness, it makes you feel that way. Do you know David had 600 men with him when he was being chased down, and yet he still felt alone? Listen to what he says. I look for someone to come and help me, but no one gives me a passing thought. No one will help me. No one cares a bit what happens to me. And I know that's how we feel. That's how I feel when I get overwhelmed. No one understands. And then when I tell them what to do, they don't do it. And half the time I can't find anybody. I feel overwhelmed. I feel uncertain. And I feel alone. But that's not how we are. You might feel that way, but that is not the truth. The truth is that when we have faith, we can enter into a glorious opportunity, not a time of despair. Because faith enables us to know Hear me, not just feel, to know God's presence, that you're not alone, and to be confident, that you can be certain that he is with you and he's working his will out in your life to reveal something in and through you that you didn't even know you needed. Listen to what it says in Psalm 142.5. He says, Then I pray to you, O Lord, I say, You are my place of refuge. You are all I really want in life. See, he wasn't just looking about what was going on around him. And that's one of the problems that keeps us trapped in our being, sense of being overwhelmed. We just look continually at the things that are overwhelming us. And David had the ability to not just look at the things that are overwhelming, all the problems, the darkness, the feeling alone, the, block, the cave entrance being blocked, all those things. He was able to look to God and say, you are my place of refuge. He wasn't just saying, take me to a place of refuge. He was saying, you are my refuge. And you are all I really want in life. See, so, so many times we're overwhelmed because we're wanting so many other things that God doesn't want us to have. He also says this. Hear my cry, for I am very low. Rescue me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. See, it's not about how confident and certain you feel because in the midst of being overwhelmed, it's okay to realize I'm low and I'm not as strong as all of those things out there around me. He recognized that. But he wasn't saying his certainty and his strength came from himself. It came from God. And he says, bring me out of prison because that's how you feel when you're overwhelmed. I'm trapped. I can't get out. There's nothing. No one can help me. And he says, bring me out of prison so I can thank you. He's not thanking God for what he's done. He's saying, I'm going to thank you for what you're going to do. He had a completely different perspective in his time of being overwhelmed. And then he says, the godly will crowd around me. I want you to know that when you're being overwhelmed and despaired, the godly are probably not going to feel like they're crowding around you. In fact, if you've been in church, probably in the times that you felt like you needed people the most, they probably weren't there. And you've probably been disappointed with people. I want you to cut them slack. They have, they're being overwhelmed and feeling overwhelmed too. Because our hope's not in people, it's in God. But do you know the reason why the godly people will surround you when you go through a time of being overwhelmed? 
Because when you get through of being overwhelmed, they know God is the one who brought you through it. And they want that encouragement as much as you needed it. And so they crowd around you. Tell me again, what did God do? How did he do it? You have a story to tell people about how you were overwhelmed, you were in a place of despair, but no, God is. And you focused on him, and then you saw what he did, even though you didn't know what he was going to do. And then he says, they crowd around me, for you are good to me. That's the hope. We sing the song today about we're not going to quit singing about God's goodness, but I want you just to say this out loud. God, you are good to me. Will you say that? Because so often, when we're in a place of despair, that's the last thing we believe, that God is good to me. But I want you to know that, God, that David gives a solution to being overwhelmed. And you're probably going to be underwhelmed with what I tell you. Letter C says this, David shows us that prayer is the solution to being overwhelmed. And I know you're sitting, if any of you are honest, there's some of you sitting in there going, he just told us prayer is the solution to being overwhelmed. I pray, and I pray, and I pray. And you know what? My situation doesn't ever change. Telling me to pray. I'm praying, and it's not changing. I understand that. Can I tell you that I've been in ministry for over 25 years, but it wasn't until the last eight years that I understood really how prayer works. And to understand that it's not as much about God changing my circumstances and all those other things. It's about Him changing me. And I was always looking at God, telling him what I didn't like and what I wanted him to do. And the whole time I was getting more and more frustrated going, this prayer stuff isn't working. You know what? I know. Because I would stand up here and I would tell people to do those very things. And in my own life, it was struggles. And there were times I didn't understand it. I can remember when I first went on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ. I had to raise money to go on the mission field. I said, God, I'll raise money to go and tell people about you. And I went and I told people, and I thought I was doing everything God called me to do. And I was making huge sacrifices for him. And then we had our first child, and he was born with a heart defect. And he was in the hospital. And I, I can remember praying, God, I'm out here. I'm doing your will. I'm doing what I think you want me to do, and I'm putting it all out there. And where are you? I'm trying to take care of your business, and here I have this. Where are you taking care of my business? You can heal them. Why don't you? See, I understand. But I was looking at my circumstances. I wasn't looking at him. And I want you to see that prayer is the solution to being overwhelmed. First thing we need to do is we need to cry out and pour out our complaints and troubles to God. And some of you are like, yes, I do that. I'm good at that. I can pour out my complaints and my, I got that. I'm, I'm under good. But I want you to know, we don't cry out those things for, for his information. We cry them out for our relief. Because if you're crying out like it's for his information, then you don't believe he's with you. Because you're having to bring him up to speed and tell him what's going on. You ever been in a situation where you have friends and you're telling about all kinds of stories? You're reliving the glory days and you start telling these stories again and the other person goes, yeah, yeah, I remember. I was there. That's how it is with God. We're, we're pouring out these complaints like he doesn't know. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I was there. It's not taking me by surprise. I know everything that's going on. But can I give you a note here? God can handle our frustrations and our complaints and we can bring them to him. But here I want you to understand, we can complain to God, but we should be careful to never complain about God. 
The reason why that's so important is because if you start complaining like I did, God, you can do this. Why don't you do this? If you were just here, then this wouldn't be happening. The very one who is my hope, the one who's supposed to bring me through my times of frustration and despair and being overwhelmed, he becomes the cause of it. And if I'm making him the cause, he can't be my solution. And you might not realize you're doing that, but you're actually cutting yourself off from hope when you make him the problem. So bring your complaints to God, but leave them there. And then shift your focus from those complaints to who he is. Because that's what we do. We don't show and bring our troubles before the Lord so that he can see it. We bring our troubles before the Lord so that we can see him. And that might not make sense, but it's so that we can leave them there and focus on him. Listen to what point two is. That when we really want to pray, it's not just about bringing our complaints and stuff. It's about us aligning with God and persevering in prayer. Because prayer is not just talking to God. It's about telling yourself who God is and what he has promised and what he's already said to you in the midst of this situation of being overwhelmed. And if you just keep talking about your problem, you're just continually focused on your problem. You're going to be like I did and continue to spiral on out instead of saying, here's my problem, but you are. And begin to focus on him. There's some other verses from some of these psalms that are on our playlist. Psalm 62 or 61, verse 2 through 4, he says this, From the ends of the earth I cry out to you for help when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the towering rock of safety, for you are my safe refuge, a fortress where my enemies cannot reach me. He doesn't say he's going to remove your enemies. He just says they're not going to be able to reach you when you're with me. Let me live forever in your sanctuary. He's saying, I want to live and remain in your presence, focused on you, not just all these other things, because I'm safe beneath the shelter of your wings. So you need to align with who God is. And you need to focus on him and who he says he is and what he's already promised to do for you. And just leave it there. Because you know, like David, he had to wait 22 years from the time he was ordained or anointed at 15 to be the king before he became king. 22 years of sometimes being overwhelmed by difficulties. And the only thing that kept him going was, God, you are. And God, you've said. Not just what I see and what I feel. And he says in verse six, Psalm 65, verse 5, You faithfully answer our prayers with awesome deeds, O God our Savior. You are the hope of everyone on earth. You are the hope of everyone on earth. And he answers them with awesome deeds. And I just want you to know, sometimes we get frustrated in prayer because we not only cry out to God, but then we tell him what we want him to do. And sometimes what he wants to do, again, is not what we're expecting. And we miss what God is doing, and we're just frustrated. But all the while, he's at work with awesome deeds, being our hope. And we're missing it because we're looking for the wrong thing. I've done that so many times. Because my prayers were always, change this, fix this, remove this from me, help me, save me, all those types of things. I was praying myself so many times out of the very thing that God wanted to do to conform me into the image of his son. And I just want you to know that sometimes the glory that God wants to see in you, the glorious opportunity to be produced in you, is not what you want. You're like Mary and Martha. Why weren't you here? Why didn't you heal? You could have done this. You could have prevented this. And he says, if you'll only believe, you'll see God's glory. 
Sometimes you need to pray, not just remove me from this situation. Sometimes what God wants to do is reverse the situation. He'll take you through something so bad, and he didn't lead you. It's just in it. He's just said, I'm going to bring you through it. Just like Joseph. Joseph was thrown into slavery and prison by his brothers. And, and finally, he gets brought out. He gets elevated to second in command in Egypt. And his brothers come before him. And they're there to buy food because they're in a famine. And all of a sudden, it hits them. You meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. Complete reversal. Took decades to get to that point. But all of a sudden, he realized, you were doing something completely different than what I expected. Some of you, you need a revelation. God's wanting to do something because he wants to reveal something more about you and, then, and himself than you ever thought possible. And he brings you to this place of crushing so you can see how faithful he is. And you just need a revelation. Some of you just need uh, renewal. You're at a place where you're like, I can't go anymore. I can't do this. And God is trying to show you, this Christian life is never about what you do. It's about what I do. And I'm going to take you further than what you could ever think you can endure or what you can do. Because I'm going to show you, it was never about you in the first place. It's about me. And you can trust me. And you need a renewal. Because he'll give you the strength in the midst of it to, to take wings of eagles and to soar and to fly above it. But you need that. And all the while you're asking, God, just take it away from me. And you're missing where God wants to do the glory. And then I'll end with this. Some of you are missing it. And what God wants to do is a resurrection. That very thing, that hope, that dream, that expectation that you're asking God to work in a certain way to meet it because it's what you want and it's not happening. And you're watching it die in front of you. And I've been there. And we've all been there. Things that we want more than anything. And it's being ripped away from us. And we're thinking, God, it's never going to happen. And what God wants to do is to take it away and show you, I am what you needed more than any dream or any vision or any goal. And then when we get to that place, like Abraham understood that God was more than just the Isaac, and you can place it on the, the altar, and you can let it die, that God will give it back to you in a way that you never thought possible. And I'm not promising that for everyone, but I just want you to know, sometimes that's the glory that God wants to reveal. And I'll end with this one verse that I skipped. Psalm 77, 19 is from another one of these songs. He says, your road led through the Red Sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. I just want you to know that sometimes that's from when Moses was leading the people out of Israel. The Egyptian army was coming. The Red Sea was from it. It looked hopeless. Nobody could see it. But you know what? God was there and he knew. He knew there was a way that no one else saw. There is a way that you don't see through your place of being overwhelmed that is there. And you might feel alone, and you might be uncertain about it, but you are just as confident as Moses was that God is with you and that there is a way. And you might not know it, but he does. You hold on to him. And that's how we get through places of being overwhelmed. I want us to pray, and there will be people down front we're going to sing. And if you need someone to pray with you, not just about focusing on what's bad, but changing your perspective to you are so that you realize you're not alone in this and you're not uncertain, but he is with you and he is powerful to bring about an end that maybe you didn't know so you will have more glory than you ever thought possible. I want you to come. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your truth.
Thank you for the fact that you're with us even when we don't feel it and when we're uncertain, when we feel like we're in a cave and it's dark and we don't know what to go and there's people pursuing us and things that are crushing us. You are good. And you will provide that way. In Jesus' name, amen.